Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Last couple weeks, actually, I've been able to see our daughter Ellie in college. Last week, we we're headed home from a wedding um, in South Carolina, and we kind of detoured. You know, as parents, you'll do that. You'll do whatever to see your kids, right? So we detoured a little bit and saw her just for church and lunch, and then we were gone. It felt sort of satisfying, but so unsatisfying. I wanted to say the rest of the day, but this, uh, but this uh, weekend, Friday and Saturday, I got to see her play volleyball in college for the first time. And as soon as that game was over, we took off to get back here because I'm excited to share uh, what God has for us this morning. And so uh, I got a text this week from a a One Hope friend, and I want to read you what that text said. It said, I'm in India. Thought of you and your message two weeks ago. They were talking about all their different gods who handled different areas. It made me thankful our God can do it all. And I love getting this text. Like, I love getting this text because it's cool to to, to hear from you guys. I love that. But to see what we've been talking about play out, like, in real life. And if you've been missing what we've been talking about, this is is the conversation. Is a couple weeks ago we started this series called The God Of. And we're talking about how and where God moves. And we've been talking about this, this, that we can't put God like in a box or limit him and where he, his power can move in our lives and in the world. And in that first week, if you missed it, the foundational story for this was found in 1 Kings chapter 20. We talked about this king who vastly underestimated God's power, where and how much he could work. And it led to his and his kingdom's defeat. But even as I know this decision led to defeat, even though I understand that your view of God can change how your life plays out, I also said I can understand why he made the decision that he made. Because there were, and as my text tells us, still are cultures who don't believe in the one God that one hope believes in. There are still many cultures, it's not just ancient cultures, but that's what we talked about that first week, there's still cultures who believe in many gods that you need to have in order to accomplish the things you want in life. And you need to appease these gods in order to hopefully get what you need in life. There is the gods of rain, and there's the gods we talk about of sun and fertility and war and all the things that there's this collection of gods that people believe in. That's where King Hadad sat, Ben Hadad sat in 1 Kings chapter 20. Because we see that he had a battle with the Israelite people. And he had a battle with them in the hills. And they got demolished. But he got thinking and he listened to his counselors. And they said, no, let's fight them in the valleys. Because God's power for the Israelite people is not there. This unbelief that God only works in limited places, in limited ways. And so they went on attack again. And what they realized very quickly is their view of God did not play out like they thought it would, and defeat met them again. Now, 
I tried to make this practical to us, for us, because maybe we can't relate to that ancient God culture, or maybe it's hard to imagine what it's like to be in India right now and having that conversation like our, my friend did, where, where this idea of all kinds of gods, but unfortunately it does play out that way sometimes in our lives, and I brought the, this uh, cafeteria pray, uh, tray analogy, you remember this? that we would never think that we treat God by limiting him in places of our lives. But sometimes we act like the kid that walks through the cafeteria and they get the milk and they get the pizza and they get the corn and they get the whatever. It's all limited to, to the different compartments. And, and, and that makes sense in a cafeteria, but it doesn't make sense in life where sometimes we look at this and we go, God, I'm gonna give you these compartments but you're not going to be the God of these two areas. And we don't think we have all these gods, but in a way we are limiting the work of God because we've given them limited places in our lives. It's not that God is limited, it's that we have limited him and his power in our lives. So once again, if you missed that message, the simple idea was God does not want your life to look like this, but to be one single tray and say, I'll give you everything. Because we believe that God can work in and every place, we will not be the limitation in our lives. And so the hope for this series is that we're reminded that there's not a place you'll ever go where God is not present. There's not a place you'll ever go where God cannot move. There's not a place you can't go where his power cannot move on our behalf as he loves us. There's nothing we can walk through where God is not already. And so my hope is, as we go back and look at Scripture, we go back to look at all the places where God works. It may not be the exact place in your life, but you'll be able to say, if God worked that way, in that place, maybe he can work in my life. And so the framework of this series, and it's just framework, just a picture, I said we're going to talk about places where God moves. I said we're going to talk about mountains and valleys and sticks and stones. And the, and the week after that opening, I talked about how God worked at Mount Sinai to build that relationship with the Israelites after they've been rescued from Egypt. They didn't know what a relationship was like. And God's like, let me show you myself so you can uh, grow in that closeness of a relationship. And then last week, Pastor Dick Emery spoke, and I'm so thankful he's able to step in so I could uh, be gone last week. And he talked about God who meets us in the valleys or the wilderness. And we need God to meet us there. We need God to meet us there. But this week, we're going to talk about how God meets us in this idea of what are you talking about with sticks? Okay, sticks. And for this, we're going to go Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to keep the same theme that we've had. Is, and I didn't plan this in the be like months ago when I was thinking about this, but it kind of is moving this direction. We're going to, we're going to talk about the same theme of, of Israelites and Moses, but we're not going to talk about the Israelites. We're going to move them to the side today. We're going to talk about one person, Moses. How did God move in his life? How did an encounter with God change Moses' future forever? So Exodus chapter 3 is where I'm going to go. And so if you want to go with this, you can grab your Bibles, you can grab your phones. If you don't have a Bible and you're in the room under the seats, and, uh, and you can have that Bible. Um, it, it, was, it was fun the other week. Someone came, and, and they came from college, and they forgot their Bible, and they had the, they had the, the Bibles on the seat. Someone told them to take it, and, and I was like, that's awesome. Take the Bibles. We want you to use them. It's great. So if you don't have a Bible, take that. But can I read Exodus chapter 3? I'm going to go 1 through 13. 
Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, he called to him within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for this place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my, my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is a huge moment in Moses' life, right? Like, imagine this moment. From this moment on, everything about his future, everything about his direction has changed. This is an incredible moment. But as I read this story, I ask myself, why did this moment need to happen? What necessitated that God would do a miraculous thing like this in, in meeting him in a burning bush on this mountain? Why does this have to happen? To know that answer, we've got to go back. Just like our lives, when we have moments, sometimes we've got to go back and see what happened before the moment where God needed to meet Moses. If you know about Moses' life, Moses was born in the land called Goshen. Goshen is a lower part of Egypt where a king previously had given a bunch of land for the Hebrew people to, to um, establish life, to congregate together. Well, it was around this time when Pharaoh, I mean, when Moses was born, that Pharaoh decided the Hebrew 
population was growing too big and it needed to be controlled. So he decided we need to kill all of the little baby Hebrew boys. He didn't want a power struggle. He didn't want in the future for the Hebrew population to grow up and then an enemy army may come to battle and then they join them and because they want to be freed. And so he said, let's control the population. And so these little boys are being killed. Well, you know this part of Moses' life, right? Moses' mom is a good mom. And Moses' mom does not want her son to be killed so she does everything she can do until the day she's like I've got to put him in a little basket put him in the water put him in the river pray for him that his life would be spared but one day after she's done this Pharaoh's daughter hears Moses crying and her heart is stirred, obviously, because she gets her servants to go take um, this little baby and bring him out of the water. This is why Moses' name actually means to be drawn out, all right? And so Moses is raised in Pharaoh's actual house. But we don't see a lot that happens from that moment until Moses is like 40 years old. But 40 years later, when Moses is 40, another huge moment happens in his life. Remember, Moses is a Hebrew man, but he's living in Egypt. And he sees an Egyptian man abusing a Hebrew man. And he decides the move he needs to do is he needs to kill the Egyptian. And he does. He kills the Egyptian and he tries to uh, hide him in the sand. And he thinks this moment has passed him by until a conversation happens not long after that where somebody in, in, in kind of an argument says, Moses, you aren't going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian, are you? And this moment's like, oop. The secret sin of killing has been found out. Pharaoh's looking for him. He knows what he's done is now public information. And he runs. And he runs uh, approximately 300 miles to a land called Midian. And we also don't know a lot that happens for the next 40 years again. We know he does find, uh, uh, meets a woman. He, we know he gets married. We know that he begins to be, he becomes a shepherd for his wife's father, who is the priest of the Midian land. And that is how he got to the mountain the day God met him in the burning bush. And as we know the backstory of what happened, we know why this moment was necessitated. What I want to do is I want to do two simple things. First, kind of just, I don't know what you do in your Bible study. When you're reading the Bible, what I like to do is kind of take the text that I have in front of me and go, okay, let me gather the details that I see. And what I see is some pivotal things that happen in Moses' life between Moses and God. I kind of want to gather those up. And the second thing is then I want to ask the question, okay, what am I supposed to walk away with? 
How, what's this story supposed to mean for me? Why does this moment in Moses' life matter for me? But before we get there, let's not rush to that. Let's gather these moments to see how this played out in Moses' life. So if you're the note takers, we've got five or six things here for you that maybe you want to write down. Some of them may be simple and some of them may grab a hold today and you need to hear them from God. But the first thing, really simple, is I believe that Moses, what we see is that Moses was born with purpose on his life. Why do I say this? I don't mean this just generically, okay, he's got purpose. You may want to or someone may want to argue that what happened in Moses' life in that water where the Pharaoh's daughter finds him is happened by accident. Someone may want to make the argument that, wow, he was lucky that happened. But I think the, 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 the foundation or the purpose behind even sharing that part is looking at Moses' life from the very beginning that it seems like God's provision and grace was covering him before he even knew he needed to be covered. That in Moses' life, that God was moving before Moses even needed, knew that he needed God to move for him. Moses had a purpose, and God had to work in his life even before that purpose was fleshed out. Moses had purpose on his life. The second thing I want us to see is that Moses allowed his sinful desires to dictate his actions. Moses allowed his sinful brokenness, his desires, to, to um, um, dictate his actions. See, one of the things I told you in the story was is that he saw the Egyptian man uh, um, mistreating the Hebrew man, so he killed him. But one of the parts I didn't read for you was Exodus chapter 2, verse 12. Look at these words. Looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian man and hid him in the sand. Why are those words important? Is that he was willfully deciding to do what was wrong. He looked over there. He looked over there. He looked around and goes, here's my chance. I'm going to kill. When you're looking around, he knew what he was going to do was wrong, but he allowed his sinful desires to win in his life, and it led to his actions, which changed the trajectory of his life, because what we see next is sin told Moses to run and hide. Moses' sin spoke to him that it's time to run and hide. And let me tell you, this is a theme through Scripture. Do you remember where this happened first? Where does your mind go when I say this is a theme? Where did that happen before Exodus 3? We say this, see at the very beginning in the garden. 
Adam and Eve are in relationship with God, right? It says they're walking through the garden and it's fresh air and it's, it's I imagine this light, this, uh, this relationship is so fulfilling and then the day happens where they eat the apple. What's the first reaction after they sin and go against God? They feel shame. They recognize I'm naked. Why am I naked? I don't feel right. Let's go hide. And they hid from God. They ran and hid from God because their sinful, their sinful desires uh, dictated their action. They went against what God had called them to do, which what is what sin is, right? Sin is just going against what God has planned or has asked you, has, has put margins in for your life. They, their reaction was, I feel shame and I'm running and I'm hiding. This is a theme we see throughout Scripture. We see it in Moses' life. But you know what another theme is? What I see in this story? Moses' sin didn't keep God away. Get this from this story. I want to see this with clarity this morning. Who came to whom in this story? Look at this story. Who came to whom in this story? Moses was just living out life. The life growing up he probably never thought he would have. He's a shepherd in the mountains after growing up in Pharaoh's house. He, I mean, I have no reason to believe that Moses didn't have everything he ever wanted growing up in Pharaoh's house, and now he's living in the mountains as a shepherd. But God goes to Moses. God calls Moses to come close and recognize his presence is there. God called, came to Moses, I believe, for a restart. A restart of relationship that I think his sin in Egypt caused him to run from and called him to a restart to a purpose that was no longer in his life. But this is so important to the story because some of our theology is so messed up. God came to Moses. His sin did not keep him away from coming and pursuing Moses as his child. And why was that? Why was that? It's because God wasn't done using Moses' life. Moses made a huge mistake. He sinned, no doubt. But Moses' sin did not disqualify him completely for the rest of his life from living out the purpose that God had designed for him when he was born. His sin did not disqualify him from everything that God wanted for his life. But Moses needed to know God. 
See, Moses needed to know God before he could lead others to God, which comes later in the story. You notice, it's such a cool, like, this moment, the burning bush happened where? It says the Mount of Horeb, right? But what also is that mountain? Mount Sinai. Two weeks ago, we were there, and I reminded you, God, after rescuing the Israelite people, met them in Mount Sinai, the same place that Moses met God in chapter 3. Moses needed to know God himself first before he could lead other people to God. God needed to deal with Moses before he could do through Moses' life. And so God is meeting Moses in this place. Moses is not chasing God. God is meeting Moses in this place because his sin couldn't keep him away and he wasn't done using him for the purpose that he called him to. But Moses, to live out those purposes, had to know God. If he was going to point other people to God, he had to know what he's pointing them to. And then the last thing from his story is God needed Moses to know he wasn't going to do this alone. Moses left Egypt alone running Moses was going back to Egypt not alone but God going with him Moses in his sin ran from Egypt God meets him on this mountain they have this encounter and God says I'm going back with you you may have ran away alone but you're going back with me and this is a big part of his story knowing that Moses' purpose was not going to be able to be accomplished without knowing God and God going with him to do what he had called him to do that's Moses in this story now can I tell you something about you and me today you and I are not Moses I don't know if you knew that you and I are not Moses. The reason I say this is because oftentimes I know uh, we read stories and we try to put ourselves in the story. And I know why we do that, right? Like we're trying to get application and we're trying, but can I tell you, you are not Moses. Your stories is not Moses' story. There is not a direct correlation to you and your life. Your story is not his story. But while you are not Moses, the God of Moses' life is the same God of your life. The character in the story may change, but the God stays consistent. And this is the beautiful part of Scripture for us. That God has not changed over the years. The people in the stories are always changing, but God stays the same. The same love and desire that God had for Moses' life is the same love and desire that he has for yours. That, once again, I, I, sometimes I get that I'm repetitive and soapbox this thing, but we oftentimes elevate people in Scripture. Oh, that's Moses. Oh, that's Peter. Oh, that's fill in the blank. They're all, create, well, they're all created children of God. 
just like you and I. That God's desire for them is God's desire for you. And so what is this story supposed to mean to us? What's this story supposed? We're supposed to land in our hearts. What does God want to do to remind you about your life through a story that happened thousands of years ago? What does he want to say? Well, I think there's some parallel lines in this. And the first thing for you is you, you have to be reminded that you were created on purpose. That you were created with a purpose on your life. Now, if you're part of One Hope, probably what should go through your mind right now is here goes Scott again. That one of the number one things people say back to me all the time, I see little nuggets online that people post is something I've been saying for, I don't know, nine, ten years now. It's like, God has created you on purpose for a purpose. And sometimes I think, it's like, Scott, you said it enough. But then I have conversations with people. But then I'm reminded through conversations with you that this life beats us down. And value every day is stolen from us. The enemy is trying to steal from us. We get lost and we get distracted and we begin to chase things outside the purpose that God's created us for. And we need to be reminded that you are created with purpose in your life by the creator of this earth. That I'm not sure I can say this enough because I understand this past week stuff just happens and you get worn out and you're looking ahead to what's coming up to this week and you're already tired before it starts and maybe we need to get back to a central theme in life that you're created by God in his image for something that he's ordained for you you are not Moses you are you but the same God has given you purpose May we live in that today. The second thing I want us to just plant deep inside of us is your sin will always try and tell you to run and hide from God. You and I are broken people that need the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross because we are sinful when sin enters our life, I believe the enemy pounces quickly and brings shame and causes us to think, do I run from God? Meaning, I don't deserve the love of God. I don't deserve the blessings in my life. I don't deserve relationship. I don't deserve to be able to pray. I don't deserve for God to cover me and have goodness for me. That this is what it means to run from God. That we run from church. We run from his his people. We run and, and we, we, we get out of the, the, the spiritual circles that we're in because shame tells us to run and hide. It's a theme throughout scripture and that theme continues today. But it's literally the exact opposite. 
literally the exact opposite reaction that God wants from our life. He already knows you're going to sin. This is why Jesus was needed. Jesus didn't come and die just like, well, just in case. We are not perfect people. We're growing in our Christ-likeness, hopefully, every day. We're growing in how we're following him every day, but there are imperfect moments by imperfect people because this is what happens when sin entered the world. It's just brokenness is part of it. And when we walk in a way that we know that we shouldn't, the reaction is almost like we backpedal and like, I just, I need, I need a break. When the reality is we need to be walking to and saying, God, I did it again. I'm sorry. I know what you have for my life. I'm sorry when I don't walk in that. Because the same thing that happened to Moses is the same thing that's going to happen to you, that your sin does not keep God away. God is not intimidated by your sin. God is not surprised by your imperfection. God made a plan for you to live in relationship, and Scripture tells us He is always pursuing us. In the Gospel of John, it tells us that the Holy Spirit is always drawing us to Him because that's what God wants, is that He, he never can get too much of you, and sin does not push Him away. Story after story, you got Jesus leaving the 99 to go get the one, right? Because God does, hates when there's a separation between us. There's the prodigal son and the prodigal father. This story Jesus has to tell because it breaks God's heart when there's a separation. He doesn't want us to draw away. He wants us to come close because our sin does not take God away from us. I think it actually allows God to pursue us even more. Because he created us to be in relationship with him. And sin doesn't stop that. The next thing is, uh, no matter what you've done, God's not done with your life. This is one of the more sad things, which I think goes back to the first thing, why I've got to keep circling back to this as your pastor. We get out of alignment with God. And we think, man, I'm too far off. I missed my chance. God's going to use somebody else. He can't use me. Look at I've gotten off track. If you're still breathing, there's still purpose to live out in your life. You can't get too off track where God can't say, I want to use your life. Yes, there may be some things that have happened in your life that maybe it's not the same thing, but God goes, no, I'm still, I'm still chasing you to bring you back so that you can live out a life that I have for you. I don't think Moses was supposed to kill that man. I don't think God had Moses, he, he was born and part of his plan was kill the Egyptians so you can run to Midian and then I'll meet you there and we can come back. You know what I think God? God is the great God of recalculating our life. I'm going to meet you in this place because you can't do anything where God says, I'm done with you now. If you have breath, you still have purpose. 
And the last thing, just like Moses had to learn, was God goes with you in everything he has called you to do. There's nothing that God has called you to do he's not going to empower you. You don't have to worry about doing this yourself. You can hear the fear in Moses' voice. How do I do this? If I go to the Israelites, how do they know I'm coming from you? You can just tell them, I am a sent you. Also, like, I'm, I'm going to go with you. Like, trust me. You may feel like you can't accomplish what God has before you, and I'm going to tell you, fantastic. Maybe that's the best place you can be. God, I don't know how you're going to use my life. I don't really have a lot to give. Awesome, because it's not about you. He multiplies what he's already given you to do the exact thing that you're called to. But many times we are like, but I've done this, God, how could you? God, I've done this. How does a God use a murderer to save the Israelite people from being destroyed? How does he rescue people by using a man who 40 years before let his sin overwhelm him and he kills somebody? The story is not about Moses. The story is about God. I'll tell you, your story is not really about you. It is about God. And so we come to the end here, and I think there's a promise that God gives in this and goes, hey, this is how I walk through life with Moses. I'm going to walk through life that way with you, but you've got to ask yourself things, questions like, is there any sin I have to deal with? Is there anything in my life that I've got to deal with? I've got to allow God to work in my life. I'm not going to hold that part off. I'm going to give them that sinful part. Say, God, forgive me. I'm not going to hold back God from moving in my life. And, 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 and maybe today you need to ask God to remind you of who he is. Remind you who you are. Remind you that you have a purpose. Remind you of something in Moses' story. Maybe Moses' story still feels distant. And you need to ask God to say, can you make that personal for me? That maybe I can live in what you have for me. Maybe you've been through something huge in your life. And you need to be reminded of something. But maybe you haven't been. Maybe you're just in a place of like, I'm living life. And you need God to bring back his presence to speak to you what he spoke to Moses. And we're going to end in worship. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do. To activate prayer in your life where you can say, God, if that really is a promise that you'll deal with me the way you did Moses, can you speak to me today? Can you move in my life? You may not have a burning bush moment, but you have God meeting you in your life moments all the time. And I'd love for that moment to be right now. That we leave this place and we said, I met God there because he came to me he heard me he reminded me he forgave me because he loves me and so Heavenly Father God 
we come today because we worship you. We worship you by being here. We worship you by singing. We worship you by praying. We worship you by just saying, God, speak to me. And God, my prayer is that you will speak to us, that there be an encounter with us like you had an encounter with Moses. That God, we are special to you. We were created by you for a purpose. Our sin does not keep you away. God, you still have something for our lives. God, you're going to meet us in everything and go with us everywhere. But God, maybe we need to see you again. Because maybe our purpose is to be used by you, but we need to know you before we can lead others to you. We need your forgiveness in our life before we can tell other people about how they need forgiveness in their life. God, we need to be reminded that you are right here with us, which means the possibilities are endless. So as we worship, will you speak to your people and may we respond in humility by giving our life. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.